0: Hey there, listener. Fancy seeing you here. Look, sometimes due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode description for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this episode is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content. So if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement. Because we are going down with these ships.
1: You're on the cannon ground, I'm up in crack ship space. Let's start a shipping war, don't care if I get hate. Don't like my bearings, well then you can hit the bricks. This is my OTP, I'll go down with this ship. I don't care, I I don't
0: care, I Hi again, listeners. <laughs> Welcome back to care of magical shippers it's a harry potter ship culture podcast i'm nathan
1: and i'm megs and this week we'll be continuing all of our valentine's fan fiction reading we have three more stories for you and we Mm -hmm. have a lot of fun with these ones so get ready for some serious giggles because i'm just (laughs) i just (laughs) I can remember recording it and it's just, it's going to be so much fun. I can't wait for you to listen.
0: Yeah. I don't know what possessed us to think, oh, this will work for one episode when clearly (laughs) there was just too much to squeeze into one. (laughs) Like a lot happened a lot of joy yeah. exploded into yeah. the episode and yeah. you just couldn't contain it in one so you're gonna get no. in two bursts
1: <laughs> and to be fair i just like reached like a mental emotional wall once i hit like an hour and a half that i'm like okay i'm i'm just done editing like yeah. i just can't do anymore. <laughs>
0: very very fair like <laughs> I, I love us to bits, but it's a lot to do.
1: It is. It is. Like, in a perfect world, we would love to give you three hours of nonstop fan fiction. And we technically are, especially if you're someone who's just coming to this podcast. You can absolutely have three hours of just us reading fan fiction. If that's you just what you to want. you have read the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't want that, obviously don't listen. Like, just- <laughs> We
0: would never advocate not listening. Like that's, no. that's antithetical no. to the point of why we do this. Please exactly. listen. We've made the episodes. They're good. Like they are good. It's just, I'm just, if you're anything <sighs> like me, I, I love us, but three hours of uninterrupted content, just, yeah. it might just be too much good for my ears to handle. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, thank you for coming back. We're so excited to share these other ones with you, and yeah, enjoy the awesome lovey-dovey goodness.
0: You are not prepared, at least like <laughs> I wasn't before we went we into weren't. these. Yeah, we weren't. <laughs> you are in for a treat. I'm a, I'm really excited that you're going to get to hear these other three. They're really good. We had mm-hmm. a ball. Um, yeah, enjoy.
1: Okay, so I'm actually gonna read another one just because one, it's dreary, so dibs. Yeah. Uh, two, um, it's tagged soft hockey boys, which is someone who lives really close to Canada that I, I just that speaks to me on a very like true like level, and I love this, and I'm so excited about this.
0: So, so <laughs> um, is is soft hockey separate? from hockey is this like a different i'm pretty thing? sure
1: it's like they're being soft like they're hockey boys but oh. they're being like soft fluffy okay I think. cool like just like, i just oh, wasn't sure soft hockey boys yeah i don't know about soft hockey i mean there's like no check hockey like there's there's checklist hockey but then so i guess it technically it's like or you're just like casually skating and it's just like maybe <laughs> i like a like a like a beach ball and you're just like slightly like hitting it back to one another it's like oh soft hockey duh like
0: <laughs> it's just everything's wrapped in in bubble wrap and cushion yes so that it, yes so, so the contact is gentle because as it so i didn't want to be feeding into any stereotypes but i feel like sometimes stereotypes are earned and mm-hmm. i as a gay man my interest in sport is speculative at best <laughs> um don't don't want to speak for all gay men here. There's plenty of gay men into sport, whatever. It's just I'm one of those that just has. Well, I don't want to say no interest. I have an interest. I just know next to nothing, nothing. about it. So when you so when you said soft hockey, I was like, <laughs> is this a, is this a sport that I just don't
1: know don't know anything about?
0: So so thank you for taking the time to clarify yes. that it's just. Boys in love in bubble wrap. This yes, is all I that needed happened, to know. That
1: happened to be hockey, play hockey, yeah. I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. this is an AU college university. So that's, you know, they nice. play hockey in uni and stuff. And then they're soft and cute. <laughs>
0: what is it What is it rated?
1: It is rated T for teen and up. And then, uh, so the name of the fic is Special Recipe. It's around like hot chocolate. Ooh. I think is like the um, either like was a prompt or inspiration. So special recipe by Peach Petty, and the summer summary is: Draco discovers the perfect hot chocolate recipe comes with a side of cute boyfriend. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, wow. I love this conceit
0: already. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I'm pre- I'm prepared. Here we go. Like ease me in.
1: <laughs> this is going to be so weird to read. Like once again, obviously, I um I didn't read these ahead of time, and so I know that this going in that I'm like, "Okay, this is college." probably non-magic au like this is this is just going to be really different because i don't read au so just seeing these guys in the context of something non-magic is just i'm just i'm skimming right now and i'm like this is going to be really hilarious to read but also take me back to like college days um so yeah because like hockey is really big you know where i went to school and stuff like that so this is going to be this is going to be kind of like Nostalgic, I guess? So, this will be fun. Ooh. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Draco grimaces into his solo cup, the lukewarm keg beer sour on his tongue. The open season bash hosted by the uni's hockey team was infamous. A bucket list event, to be sure. But Draco should never have come. He should have stayed home, tucked into his flannel sheets with his latest BL comic. <laughs> and Yes. Yes. Draco (laughs) and warm cocoa with marshmallows and whipped cream. It has an exclamation point. So whipped cream is very necessary. It has to have marshmallows, marshmallows and whipped cream. He wrinkles his nose at the beer. Pansy's cackle draws his attention to where she sits in an awful recliner securing half the hockey team with her cleavage spilling out of her sexy witch costume. Oh, okay. Of course! I think it's Halloween. <laughs> Draco pouts and glances down at his own costume. Lack of, cleav- <laughs> lack of cleavage aside, he thought he looked quite fit. His white garment was perfectly flowy and slit up to the side... Pre- <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> his white garment was... Per- I've... <laughs>
0: Just, Is he in a toga?
1: Maybe. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. Okay. We're, hold on. His white garment was perfectly flowy and slit up the side up the side practically to his eyeballs.
0: Oh, so he's a ghost. <laughs> but <laughs> like but with gar- but a weird slit up the side.
1: <laughs> the roller skates were The roller skates were a nuisance, and the leg warmers were making him sweat, but both were absolutely necessary for the character. He looks perfect, yet no hockey players lurk. I don't know who this is! A perfect- a white garment was perfectly flowy and slit up the side, practically to his eyeballs. The roller skates were a nuisance with the leg warmers. Is it- is it
0: just- I'm just picturing a giant marshmallow on roller skate.
1: <laughs> I know what this. Like it's like, but then you're getting Draco's side boob. Is that what happened? Like I'm like, or where where is this slit? Like a slit? Like is it open? Like it's specifically. Oh, so- is it open? Like 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 a Fabio style? You know what I mean? Like it's just like a flowy white tunic with that's really a deep V. Sort of thing.
0: Oh, poss- I possibly. I don't know, but the
1: eyeballs reference is very confusing. I'm yes. like- <laughs> Peach Petty I need I need a visual I need I, I need this sketched out for me to understand what I am I don't know what I'm imagining right now Nathan has a marshmallow
0: on yeah and it's I probably not that thing sorry Peach Petty but like all I'm seeing is just like a marshmallow with like with a, it's slit up the sides so and like bits of marshmallow are, are just like falling oh. out of Oh, man. And I moving have, along. I've
1: got Fabio with leg warmers and roller skates. So here we go. Um, but, he sa- but it says lack of cleavage. This is, I don't know. We have no idea what's, what's lack of, happening. Lack
0: of front cleavage. <laughs> yes, but there's that's plenty true. Of He's got the do.
1: side cleavage. There we go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so let's see. <laughs> so the roller skates were a nuisance and the leg warmers were making him sweat. But both were absolutely necessary for the character. He looks perfect yet no hockey players lurk. He gulps down the remains of his beer and glides down the hallway towards the kitchen. Oh, so he's like, he's skating. He's skating throughout this place. Oh my gosh, <laughs> what a danger. Weaving past the vampire, a Yeti, and Mario and Luigi, in the kitchen, Weasley, the decorated team captain and left winger, dressed in an unoriginal toga. Well, hey, there we go. He's, oh, we got Ron okay, in a toga. Okay, Weasley's in the toga. And he's manning the keg. Of course he is. He's filling his mouth with beer directly from the tap. When his gaze falls to Draco, his eyes widen and he spits the beer all over the clown waiting for a refill. The clown curses and Weasley apologizes hastily, turning to Draco. Oh my god! He looks up, looks at, he looks Draco up and down, a grin curling his lips. Fuck, just stay there, okay? Don't go anywhere. (laughs) I hope we get answers. This is all I'm asking. Draco folds his arms across his chest and waits. The clown stares, spear dripping from his red nose. A moment later, Weasley returns, dragging a dark-haired, tousled bloke into the kitchen. He's also wearing a toga, but the costume is where Draco's disappointment ends. Harry Potter, a hockey star and a talented center forward, quite literally ticks all of Draco's boxes. Athletic with just the right amount of muscle. Green eyes and a bright smile punctuated with cute dimples. He's the living embodiment of the team poster Draco had on his wall that he may or may not have stolen from the student center display. In a toga that barely covers his arse with his nipple out. Ooh!
0: okay we've got some nipplage there's the teen, right there
1: we got a little bit of like a little bit of butt coverage so it's more like a a little flap so it's obviously kind of like it's had to have been maybe they ripped the sheet in half and then they just kind of like folded it over each other and so there's a gap on each side so then it's just like cascading over butt nice right so
0: then it's more like one of those like fashionable 60s one pieces you know the black and white numbers
1: Uh uh-huh oh okay we're getting answers okay 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 this makes so much sense now okay sorry peach petty i'm so sorry (laughs) i'm sorry i haven't seen hold for the
0: text megs (laughs) hold for the text you haven't read yet (laughs) harry
1: you can almost see harry's butt and his nipples out and draco is okay yes i'm
0: Peach Patty knows how to hold my attention. <laughs> <Yes>. Continue.
1: <laughs> look, Ron says, pointing to Draco. Fucking look at him. I'm looking, Harry says, voice low. In Xanadu, he tones dramatically, did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dom... What? D- dom decree? Dome.
0: dome in Xanadu decree. did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dome decree? There That's we go. Coleridge. Did, what Did she put Coleridge in this thing? I guess. Like. I it's, guess. It, that, is, that is straight, that is poetry, that is Coleridge. Author, if you've done this,
1: but yeah. it's like, I'm- I don't know okay, it, right, yes. because I am uncultured. So... <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as okay. I saw Xanadu, I was like, oh, Xanadu, okay. In Xanadu, he intones dramatically, did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dome decree? Draco continues, where- Oh, he keeps going, Okay. Where Alf the Sacred River ran through, the ca- through caverns measureless to man. Down to a sunless sea, they finished in unison. Hi, Harry smiles, dimples popping, and Draco goes a bit wobbly in his knees. I think it's the roller skates, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck just happened? The clown asks. Weasley wipes away an imaginary tear. That, mate, was destiny. I think we just wis- witnessed an origin story. He hooks his arm around the clown's neck and drags him from the kitchen, slapping Harry on the back as they exit. Hi, Harry says again. I like your costume. I have to admit I'm surprised you know it. Harry bites his lip and nods. You're a Slytherin, yeah? A debate god, if I'm not mistaken. Draco blinks. Hermione mentioned, Harry explains. She, Draco says, clearing the squeak from his throat. She? (laughs) She, Draco says, clearing the squeak from his throat, she mentioned me to you. Harry shrugs-
0: Nice editorial touch. Mm-hmm. I'm very pleased with the squeak. It just
1: adds that little, she-
0: Yeah, I'm I'm very, yeah.
1: <laughs> Harry shrugs a bare, perfectly muscled shoulder. Well, I asked, she helped me with my costume. What do you think? It's unoriginal, Draco blurts out, still processing the fact that Harry fucking Potter asked about him. Harry laughs. Oh shit, wait. Oi, Ron. Bring me a bring me my head. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh shit, wait. Oi, Ron, bring me my head. You're
0: (laughs) ladies and gentlemen megs has gone megs has left the building <laughs> I, I will be attempting to salvage what i can of this episode <laughs> Megs is incapacitated by laughter right
1: oh now. god okay you're not ready you're getting ahead ron yells from the other room <laughs> good on you mate just clean up yeah oh my <laughs> god <laughs> Fuck, Harry says, cringing. A deep flush blooms on his cheeks and bleeds down his neck. Even his chest is blushing. It's fucking adorable. I have a Medusa head, he says. A fake one with rubber snakes and shit. Perseus, you know. (laughs) The slayer of monsters and Andromeda's hero. Of course you know. Harry chuckles and scrubs the back of his head. So would you like a beer? Vodka or maybe tequila? Draco shakes his head and wrinkles his nose. Harry hums and taps his chin in thought. Maybe hot chocolate? I've got some up in my room. The good stuff. I can't leave it down here, or the heathens will drink it all. Red flags pop off in Draco's mind. Cautionary tales warning against being lured into a boy's room under false pretenses and accepting potentially tainted drinks. Harry smiles at Draco expectantly, the dimples damn near sparkling. Okay, Draco says. <laughs>
0: I gave like, you this specifically cuz I wanted to hear your yeah. Draco voice and I'm not disappointed.
1: Yes. So, Draco's pretty much like, "Okay, so if I am going to be taken advantage of, you know, n- on you know, not of my own will, at least it's Harry Potter." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's like, it's, I'm slightly worried that I'm going to be, that, that some non-con stuff's going to be happening, but you know what? His his bare, exposed, muscular shoulder that's blushing is giving me life. Exactly. So I'm, I'm happy about it.
1: Harry sets the kettle to heat, and Draco inspects his room. Movie posters, hockey posters, and various flyers from film festivals cover the wall. On the shelf next to the team photo sits a magic eight ball and an army of hockey trophies. A dog-eared copy of The Once and Future King and several volumes of Check, Please rests on the nightstand under a Nintendo Switch, and above the bed hangs a gigantic movie poster with Olivia Newton-John dressed in roller skates, leg warmers, and a flowy bodysuit, arms uplifted underneath the word Xanadu. What? Yeah. What? Oh my
0: god! Oh, this hurry! This hurry today is epic. (laughs) This is is just such a. moment i'm sorry we we're, we're, so we're led to believe that in addition to being a really you know um successful hockey star with an obsession with xanadu he's also reading coleridge and t.h white the, the uh-huh. once and future king and this character
1: is so like weird but i'm here for it <laughs> <laughs> oh man Let me show you my special recipe for hot cocoa, Harry says, beckoning Draco to the desk. It's the best you'll ever have, like you'll taste it and be ruined for any other. I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh my god! I know, I know, I know.
0: Let me show you my special
1: recipe. I know, it's the best you'll ever have, like you'll taste it and be ruined for any other. Draco watches Harry tear open two packets of Swiss Miss and dump it into the mugs dusting the tabletop with a thin film of cocoa powder. I mean, how do you not? You know what I mean? Like, it's like you can try super hard, but there's no way to not get hot cocoa dust everywhere. Like, it's just... Yeah, it's it's, it's,
0: it's a messy... Th- yeah.
1: He pours the hot water and stirs it with a mechanical pencil. <laughs> a handful. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have the- questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm, don't you just love the taste of graphite in the morning <laughs>
1: and rubber
0: <laughs> that's really a different thick. we are yes. now straying into like into uh, e Ooh. e territory okay what other things is he doing with that bodysuit
1: sorry <laughs> a handful of marshmallows follow splashing liquid to drip down the cup's rim This is, this is quite a visual. Um, Harry licks his fingers, then takes a can of whipped cream from the mini fridge, expressing a generous dollop on top of the marshmallows. He hands Draco the mug with Princess Leia lounging and saying, aren't you a little short for a (laughs) stormtrooper? Wait, he takes a Hershey kiss from the pile of Halloween candy on his desk, unwraps it and places it on top of the whipped cream. He beams with pride. It's the biggest mess Draco's ever seen. And it's perfect. His heart expands. Something new and terrifying blossoms in his chest. An aching buzz that flows to his fingertips and toes. Expansive and brilliant and breathtaking. Like the birth of a star. The beginning of something oh. magical. Gorgeous. Wow.
0: Oh my god. I Can I just request a small pause here? Like, as a British heathen <laughs> who does not know what a Hershey's kiss is... <laughs> please can you explain like i know i know of hershey bars but what it what is a hershey's kiss
1: so a hershey's kiss is like it's literally a round almost ball of but it sits so it looks like a bell it looks like a bell but it comes to a sharp point so it's like it's just literally a sittable thing it does look like a bell and at christmas time the commercials like 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 we wish you a Merry Christmas and pretends that they're bells so they kind of look like
0: Okay. Bells. But okay. yeah but
1: that's so that's what they are they're just they look like little I don't know just like I guess similar but to is it, what it it like it this... would be a, like a large chocolate chip like when sometimes chocolate chips have that little like swirl or like where it's been dolloped I guess you could say it's like a dollop of chocolate sure. but bigger so.
0: So like it, so it's chocolate all the way through yes, like it's just chocolate? it's just pure chocolate um...
1: shaped different. It's still a Hershey's chocolate bar made into a shape that's like, and they're wrapped individually in like tin foil of different colors, usually and stuff. And then it has like a little, um, it says like, like Hershey's Kiss on it with a little flag. So it's like, I don't even know why or how this, I think it's, it's designed so that you can open the foil easy. But it's literally like a foiled little bell with a with a piece of paper that says Hershey's Kiss on oh, it. you'll have to look it up after we're done. Okay, we're almost yeah, done. I, I, and then we can we can dive into what the heck a Hershey's Kiss is. Yeah,
0: sorry, I just for for those listeners that wanted a visual, that aren't familiar with what they are, I just thought it would be appropriate. But yes, then I didn't I didn't intend on spending like ten minutes going like and, <laughs> Explain And
1: for those of you that know what a Hershey's Kiss looked like can definitely tell that i have no idea how to describe it <laughs> <So it's, laughs> it was a very poor description yeah i b- feel like i got the oh, gist like a, oh I'm... like a meringue cookie you know like when it's like it's just a oh. dollop like a dollop it's like okay yes yes yes, it settles, yes yes it's heavy at the base and then it's just dollops upward so that's kind of what it looks Perfect. like there we yes, go i got know. there good i got okay. there okay uh where the nice. heck was so, i okay so gorgeous so then we had
0: stars being stars born and, and
1: Beginning of something magical. Yeah. Harry, Harry deflates a bit. You know it's Miss there. <laughs> that was perfect timing.
0: That was so well done. I legitimately, as I was listening to that, I thought that was in character. I, I was like, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: know it's Smith, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Harry <laughs> Harry deflates a bit Yeah, I know it's Miss, But I added extra marsh Draco leans in and kisses him Mellows Harry finishes He grabs Draco's waist and presses their foreheads together Hands migrating to Draco's bum And squeezing gently Okay, how is he holding this hot chocolate And how is it not everywhere <laughs> I totally checked out your arse Coming up the stairs Draco kissed him again, (laughs) licking into Harry's mouth and tasting cocoa. I have a poster of you in my room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that's so creepy! Continue! He's like, like, I do too. Harry smiles against Draco's lips. So, do you like my hot chocolate? I'm ruined for any other, Draco replies and kisses him. (laughs) Oh. Oh my
0: goodness, that was superb! I love that story. and
1: that because I- the poster is featured like is is, um, is embedded in the footnotes. So seeing it now, I'm like, oh, slits up the side, but it was just it was the eyeballs thing. so it was like I just was I could not visualize. I just had no idea. But as soon as it was said Xanadu, I'm like, oh my, I wanted to smack myself in the forehead. I'm like, oh my gosh, of course. He sits oh, so yes, yeah, that was so yeah. cute. That was adorable. As
0: someone that's not familiar with either, like, frat culture, Mm -hmm. hockey culture, or Hershey's Kisses, I got an awful lot out of that story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, see, I, I am definitely a spectator in this. I'm like, okay, I have been in this house, I have seen these people, I have, like, just I just this is this I have definitely lived in the past, and it's so it's just so funny. Like I literally am picturing the house. Like I the whole time I was reading nice. this, like I'm like okay, I'm in this space again, and I can see the hockey players, and then I'm like oh, and then Harry and Ron and <laughs> and Draco happen to be there. So, super funny, but oh, this was oh, this was so nice. I mean, and I loved the little bits of humor, especially Draco being like, "I've heard all about you know when when boys will take you to their room under f- under false pretenses and the state of <laughs> taking advantage of you and blah blah blah." And it just oh my gosh, it's so so. My so funny.
0: mother has told me many a cautionary tale by the fire at night. I yeah. know
1: it's so good. Yeah. Thank you so much, Peach uh, Betty. Thank you for that.
0: Incredible. Soft
1: hockey boys. There we go. We got our soft hockey boys.
0: So, so now we know what soft hockey boys are.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, We're now going to move on to a story that I don't think contains any soft hockey boys whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, It's it's an entirely different pairing. It is also a T for teen and up. It is written by Soph. It's called. And if you asked me, I loved him, I'd lie. And the pairing, you ready for this? Is Hermione Granger slash Marcus Flint.
1: What?
0: Oh, oh believe me. my.
1: Okay. All right.
0: I didn't know I needed this until I started reading it either. Okay. I can't wait. I cannot wait for you to hear what's about to happen. All right. So the summary is, the summary of this story is, after a kiss at the ministry holiday party, Hermione doesn't know how to feel about one Marcus Flint. Maybe all she needs is a push in the right direction. Dot, dot, dot.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So it begins. You can't just keep pretending it didn't happen, Granger. Hermione pretended not to hear Marcus's quiet rebuke. Instead, she stared down at a sheet of parchment on her desk without comprehending its contents. The truth was, she didn't know what else to do. Hermione Granger did not kiss co-workers at ministry holiday parties. And yet, somehow, she had. Marcus leaned towards her, smelling of... Oh, so, I I should, um preface this by saying this next section is in italics so i think it's supposed to indicate the memory of, of the, the ministry party
1: perfect so this was the aftermath yes, yes. and then now we're going back to actually experiencing so, uh, the event
0: correct so i'm gonna i'm gonna go to put, like italics <laughs> and when then then when we're out of italics again i'll do another
1: got our time turner
0: Yes, um, what we don't have an expensive effects budget we make up for in musical ingenuity <laughs> here on this pod. So, Marcus leaned towards her, smelling of expensive cologne and top-shelf booze. Hermione always marvelled at how the Ministry could afford the best booze galleons could buy for their parties, yet could not find the budget for the initiatives she wanted to pass. Any plans for the holidays, Granger? Marcus asked, smiling crookedly at her. Was that a slight swooping sensation she felt in her stomach? There's a lot of S's in that sentence. Slight swooping sensation she felt in
1: her stomach. Sorry, I had to do it. I I, I know. Was that a slight
0: swooping sensation she felt in her stomach? She must have had a funny reaction to the hors d'oeuvres. No, she said carefully. I might drop by Ron's for a spell, but otherwise... She trailed off, not wanting to reveal more about her personal life than was strictly necessary, especially not something as personal as her break-up with Ron. Not really. What about you? Nothing much, he said with a shrug. I haven't got anyone special to spend it with, and my family never does anything. He quickly downed the rest of his drink, wincing slightly. He nodded towards the glass of champagne in Hermione's hand. Mind if I drink that? Hermione wordlessly held it out to him. To lonely holidays, he said, before taking a long swig. Hermione watched him discreetly as he swallowed. The war had changed, Marcus. He was no longer the self-centred, arrogant boy from their Hogwarts days. Perhaps it was the memory of his latest kindness, staying late to help her draft a piece of house-elf legislation that prompted her to slip into the chair next to him. I never thanked you. She began, suddenly conscious that she was sitting much closer to him than she had intended. She cleared her throat and tried to angle herself away. Before she could do so, however, she felt a large, warm hand circle her wrist. "'Never thank me for what?' Marcus asked, seemingly unaware that every nerve in her arm was now on fire. For Hermione struggled to remember what she'd been about to say. Marcus had such expressive eyes. How had she never noticed? You were right, Hermione. His brown eyes were full of concern now, but she had hardly noticed. Too busy dwelling on the startling use of her first name. She was always Granger to him. Always. It's Granger, was all that she said in reply. Granger, then, he said, giving her an odd look. What's going on with you? I... She took a deep breath and felt relief rush through her as she remembered her earlier train of thought. She clung to it like a lifeline, determined not to let her companion's eyes distract her again. I wanted to thank you for helping me with my house elf legislation the other day. Oh, Marcus looked almost disappointed. Right, it was nothing. It wasn't nothing, Hermione pressed. It meant a lot to me. You have to know that. Yeah, house elves are kind of your thing, aren't they? Her companion's fingers fiddled with a glass of fire-whiskey. When had that appeared? As he spoke. His gaze had moved to contemplate his drink, Hermione noted with a twinge. I guess you could say that, she said, forcing out a laugh. She was rewarded with another glance from Marcus and quickly added, They're not my only interest, though. Oh, and what else interests the great Hermione Granger? He teased. (sighs) You! She admitted softly, leaning in to kiss him before she could stop herself.
1: Ah! Oh my gosh, Hermione! Wow! I
0: know! This Hermione is forward today!
1: Wow! All right! Forward
0: thinking and forward acting, it would seem. She is getting frisky at that ministry party. She became
1: overwhelmed by how much she just like obviously saw him as this you know, like hero coming to help her with something that literally probably is super emotionally pivotal to her being and is just like, connects that with him and therefore builds this connection and obviously makes her want to kiss him. I mean, obviously. So that, um, oh, that was, oh, I love, I I love,
0: I, I relate to that. I
1: love the corny stuff. Like, it's just like, oh, and what else could possibly interest you? You, obviously. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> I know, so, just
0: the casual way that slipped in. I mean, you. I, I, yeah. I definitely, I love the, I love that Hermione is this daring and this fic. I um, I, I'm definitely vibing with that energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see, where was I? Uh, Granger. Marcus pulled a piece of parchment out of her line of sight. This is so they've so I'm gonna do a. They've snapped back out of the the memory, so she's like being brought back into the present with this Mm. so granger marcus pulled the piece of parchment out of her line of sight hey she protested feebly i was reading that like hell you were marcus (laughs) snorted he took the parchment under some other papers on hermione's desk then retreated back to the doorway you're a much quicker reader than that hermione sighed you know me well flint It didn't feel right to call him Marcus out loud, even after the kiss they had shared. That was a lapse in judgment brought on by holiday loneliness, nothing more. Yeah, I do know you, which is why I can't figure out why you're acting so strange. Marcus folded his arms and leaned against the doorframe with a sort of familiarity that made her flush. Do you regret what happened between us at the ministry party? I don't see how that's relevant. I don't date co-workers, Hermione said quickly. You didn't seem so concerned about that at the party. The corner of Marcus's mouth lifted in a smirk. Was it her imagination, or was he staring at her lips? She had to resist the urge to lick them nervously. Anyway, you didn't answer my question. Do you regret kissing me? I regret that you chose to have this conversation during work hours. Hermione said, reaching for the quill on her desk. It was an evasive but safe reply, and one that she'd been trying to refine ever since Marcus set foot in her office that morning. Out of the corner of her eye, she watched as Marcus glowered at her. This conversation isn't over, Granger. Hermione avoided Marcus as best she could over the next few weeks. Sure, there were times when it was necessary to pass him in the corridor, or stand close to him in the lifts. But she always kept her head buried in some leaflet or other, or made sure she was deep in conversation with someone. He never tried to engage her, and she was mostly grateful for that. She hadn't been lying when she told him that she didn't date co-workers. She didn't need to deal with the messiness of a break-up at work. But she hadn't been entirely truthful with him either. She didn't regret kissing him. She didn't regret kissing him one bit. "'What's got you so down, Hermione?' Ginny asked, looking at her in concern. The two witches were seated in the kitchen of Hermione's tiny London flat. "'Nothing,' Hermione said, but her reply sounded wistful, even to her own ears. "'Oh!' "'Nothing,' Hermione said, (laughs) but her reply sounded wistful, even to her own ears.' In order to distract her friend from asking more questions that she didn't want to answer, she summoned the bottle of wine that Jinny had given her for Christmas, along with a pair of wine glasses. The bottle had an unusual, lilac-coloured label, proclaiming it the best elven wine known to wizardkind. Wine? Ginny's eyes narrowed. Why aren't you saving that for tomorrow? Hermione blinked several times as the realisation hit her. Today was February the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. Why should I wait until tomorrow? There's nothing special about Valentine's Day. It's just another day, okay? She sounded defensive, she knew, but she didn't want Valentine's Day to be a big deal when she had no one to spend it with. Sure, Ginny said, her tone suggesting, in fact, that she did not agree. You know, you've been acting weird ever since that ministry holiday party when you kissed Marcus Flint. Are you sure you don't want something to happen with him? Hermione was really regretting ever mentioning that kiss. I told you the kiss didn't mean anything, she said. She took a deep breath and fixed her friend with a steady glare. It was a moment of weakness, and it won't be happening again. The practice lie came easily, maybe a little too easily. Sure, said Ginny again, flashing her a knowing smile. Before Hermione could protest again, Ginny waved her wand and made the bottle and glasses disappear. After a restless night, Hermione awoke the next day with dread, coiled in the pit of her stomach. Hopefully she could make it through the day without anyone asking her about her love life. Not only was that a completely inappropriate topic for the workplace, she also didn't want to dwell on a certain brown-eyed former Slytherin and her complicated feelings about him. Do, do Did you have something you wanted to...
1: No, no,
0: no, you're just happy. Yeah. Meg's just very happy right now. Yeah,
1: I'm just like, I'm just, it's the anticipation. Like, I'm just like, it's moving. Yeah. And of course, like, I don't know. I think Ginny's going to do something. Like, I just like, I just get the feeling that <laughs> yeah, Ginny yeah. is going to intervene because Hermione can't get her shit together. Like, it's just. <laughs>
0: yes yeah <laughs> and she and she's obsessing about it not being appropriate in the workplace yes. and given that she works at the ministry and how many couples we know how like met at hogwarts or met in the ministry where else are they going to meet to kiss um, or do anything
1: yeah because you literally where? only go to hogwarts and then you work at the ministry like that's your, yeah. that's your option. <laughs> Like of course you're meeting your significant other at work like you're
0: <laughs> Yeah, you only have one school and one job. Yep,
1: and that's, that's it. it. Wizarding so world, there we go. You, you,
0: either, you, you either hide the sex you're having from others at work mm-hmm. or you don't have sex at all. That's the vibe uh, that's I the get from this are Wizarding are World. That's
1: what the lifts Oh are my for. God,
0: Megs. That's why they clatter so much. It is
1: true. <laughs> Click (laughs) a little,
0: cling, cling (laughs) a little. Just rhythmic (laughs) clanking.
1: With the voice.
0: Level three, accidental magic reversal squad and boner department.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow.
0: Woo. Okay.
1: Anyway, where the heck were.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know. Okay, yes, I've found my place. Upon arriving at work. She was pleased to find a note from Kingsley on her desk. "'Dear Hermione, please meet me in the conference room on the third floor. Urgent, Kingsley,' Hermione read. She frowned. Kingsley was a man of few words, but this was terse and cryptic even for him. Still, curiosity and a sense of loyalty compelled her to shed her coat and head to the room that Kingsley had mentioned. "'Kingsley, what's the big imi-?' Hermione stopped short. Kingsley wasn't waiting for her. The large room was empty, save for Marcus Flint. And on the table that occupied the middle of the room, there was a bottle of wine with a lilac label, plus the pair of wine glasses from Hermione's kitchen. Ginny Weasley was so dead.
1: Ah! Called it! Ah. (laughs) Oh, nice. You
0: did! Nice. Nice prediction. Nice. Yes. Let me get this straight, Granger, Marcus said, running a hand through his hair. You didn't send me a note asking me to meet you here? No, Hermione bit her lip. That was Ginny. Uh, Ginny Weasley? Marcus did a poor job of hiding his surprise. Why in Merlin's name would she do that? Hermione had been wondering the same thing. When her gaze fell on the small piece of paper taped to the back of the wine bottle, she hoped she would have a suitable answer. Plucking the paper from the bottle, she gave it a cursory scan before crumpling it into a ball. So much for telling Marcus about Ginny's motives. It read, Hermione, if I know you, you're very cross with me right now, but you'll thank me later. Sometimes all we need is a push in the right direction. So, this is me giving you a hearty shove. Love, Ginny. What did it say? Marcus asked. She just wants us to uh, enjoy the wine, Hermione said, feeling her cheeks heat, heat up. I hear it's delectable, if you'd like a glass. That doesn't explain why she'd set us up to meet here alone on Valentine's Day. Hermione was struck by Marcus's intense gaze once again, and she shifted uncomfortably where she stood. Is there something you're not telling me, Hermione? He had used her first name again, but she chose to ignore that this time. Instead, she sat down at the conference table and buried her head in her hands. No. Fine. Hermione heard, rather than saw, him drop into a chair beside her. I'm going to say something then. I'm glad Weasley did this. I've been trying to get you alone for ages, but you've always got your nose in some bloody pamphlet, and when you don't, you're busy talking to someone. By the time he was finished speaking, Marcus's voice was raised. Hermione pulled her head up and looked at him. Marcus sighed, lowering his voice. We never finished talking about that kiss. It didn't mean anything, she said automatically. I was lonely, you were lonely. Oh my god. (laughs) It meant something to me. Hermione gaped at him. Don't look so surprised, Hermione. I've fancied you for a while now. Oh, (laughs) that was all Hermione could manage in response. Oh. (laughs) Uh, uh, And something tells me you must fancy me too or else Weasley wouldn't have gone to all this trouble. Marcus leaned in and tucked a strand of hair behind her ear, causing Hermione's breath to catch in her throat. "'Am I wrong?' (gasps) Hermione shook her head. "'No,' she whispered, pressing her cheek to his lingering hand. "'You're not wrong. I wrestled with my feelings for a long time, but I... I like you too, Marcus.' Marcus dipped his head down and placed a chaste kiss on her lips, one that left her longing for more, until she remembered they were both at work. Oh, Hermione, with the work still! Mm -hmm. "'How about a toast?' she asked. "'I should get back to my office in case Kingsley really does need me, but I have time for a quick glass of wine.' Marcus poured a generous amount of wine into each glass before handing one to her. "'To new beginnings?' To new beginnings, Hermione echoed, clinking her glass against his. And happy Valentine's Day to us.
1: Oh! so That was so, gosh. That was so cute. Oh, this was so in character for Hermione. Of course, she's like, she's going to be stubborn forever. Like, she's just, this is my moral platform. And I'm going to stick to it, no matter... all the other reasons why I should allow myself to have something good and love this man. Like, oh. Exactly. Oh, I just, this is, it just takes, it It definitely takes someone intervening when Hermione's being ridiculous. Like, that's just because she's, she doesn't see it. She's like, I'm not being ridiculous. I made this reason because A, B, C, D, B. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's gonna, she's gonna justify every choice that she makes. I'm. exactly so cute i now
0: have madonna's justify my love going through my head (laughs) but also this is a this is a hermione who has decided that that lesson that she learned where she's like it's kind of fun isn't it Mm -hmm. breaking the rules yes this is definitely not one of those rules she wants to break right but oh boy is she gonna have fun if you were ending this fic you would have ended it with And oh boy, did she have fun!
1: Oh man. Okay, so we have one more left, and yes, we are. (laughs) What have we? We're woo over two hours. All righty, here we go.
0: Okay, (laughs) on we go. On we go.
1: Okay, so this is another fic like we did for um, the Christmas episode. This is a bonus chapter for the story Dumbledore's army in the summer of 98. Uh this is called Valentines of 93 a Grindel Lawney one shot.
0: Oh yes. Yeah! I specifically came up with this we were talking about yeah. like the this pairing in the discord and I think I don't know if I came up with this name or somebody else did, but I love this this pairing name. It will stay with me until, like, the annals of time mm-hmm. have faded into a distant memory. I love it so much. I'm so excited. Yes. What's gonna happen? I don't know.
1: So, and it's rated G. And let's see here. Da-da-da-da. So it's. Did really... you say
0: who it was written by?
1: And so it's written by. Um, she goes by the author, like is her sued like via the website, but it's our um, fan of the pod on our Discord, Karen Angelique. And let's see, we'll get it. Valentine's of 93, a Grindelani one shot. I am so excited for this. Hogsmeade, Scotland, Valentine's Day, 1993, 3 p.m. Gilderoy- it's a really specific it's very intro. 3 it's- s-
0: 2 p.m <laughs> <laughs> did you have you ever seen the x files have i talked no. about this with you before because literally that's how they introduce all the different locations they visit there's there's like this text that appears in the bottom oh, left of the mm-hmm. screen it's like t- typewritten and it's always like this location at this time mm-hmm. with a specific like uh, and this is what is I, like i'm reminded of i'm so excited mm-hmm.
1: Okay, Gilderoy Lockhart wrapped his orange, woolen, fur-trimmed winter robes closer around him as a gust of wind showered him with swirling snowflakes. He stopped to adjust his fluffy, purple-knit scarf, and realized that he was standing across the lane from Madame Puttyfoot's tea shop. He watched wistfully as nervously smiling Hogwarts students entered the already-bursting shop from which rich, sweet aromas and... Gosh, word, word, words I don't know. Sweet aromas and convivial <laughs> chatter escaped, with, es- escaped each time the door was opened. The large front window glowed with warm light, and dozens of couples, huddled over small tables, were visible through the glass. This was a sorry Valentine's Day indeed. The Hogwarts staff didn't appreciate his holiday decor in the least, and neither, it seemed, did most of the students. He received 46, only 46 Valentine's cards from the Hogwarts community. Oh, he'd made a big show of being appreciative, but truly, it was a pathetic number. He supposed he wouldn't be so disappointed if he had a really special someone with whom to share this most special of day of holidays, but he seemed to be lacking in that department too. Yes, he'd shared an early morning rendezvous with a charming ministry lady who'd flew in for the occasion, and this evening he was meeting an absolutely delicious gentleman for a candlelit dinner in Diagon Alley. But neither of these encounters truly excited him. He didn't feel the same way about the ministry lady and the delicious gentleman that the Hogwarts couples, pressed together and exchanging longing glances as they left the tea shop, felt about each other. He was about to head for Honeydukes to console himself with second-rate chocolate when a a fellow stroller caught his eye. She was walking slowly up the street toward the tea shop. She didn't seem to be wearing a robe. Oh, my. (laughs) But (laughs) But rather an eclectic assortment of scarves, shawls, and wraps, many of which were pink and red, and trailed shiny... Oh, gosh, what? There's so many words I don't know pale Palets. palettes Palettes. Palettes? i i
0: don't know i don't know either
1: and glittery Palets. okay i gotta figure out what these are i like i immediately think tat like tassels but i have no idea what these are okay let's see oh sequins oh okay okay i guess
0: i've never heard them called that before in my life
1: yeah i what's the difference between sequence? and <laughs> they're very large sequins are
0: <laughs> so they're, they're like a big sequence. yes
1: yes so i think they're like when they're se- like yeah they're the big circular ones that maybe sometimes they do like dangle and stuff so it's like yeah, yeah they're just they're big sequence. So, all right, we figured that out. All right, once again, it's like the fancy crepes thing. I was just like, like galette. We were just like, what? So, and trailed shiny big sequins and glittery beaded fringe. (laughs) Her boots were a a red suede, and this was useless against snow, and her hair was covered by a red sequined scarf. So then that's covered in sequins. Wow, she is, she's going she is shining. She's got to be seen she's from very space. very re-
0: reflective right <laughs> yeah, now. She's gotta yeah, she's got to be seen
1: from space right now. Sequined <laughs> scarf that could not possibly keep out the cold. When she paused to peer into the cheery window of the tea shop, Gilderoy noticed her large, pink rimmed glasses. Could it be? He called across the street. Sybil. Sybil Trelawney felt that her magic needed recharging. Her inner eye wasn't working as well as it should. Her intuition, however, was working well enough to know that her students weren't concentrating on anything else but Valentine's Day, especially with those wretched hired cupids of Lockhart's bursting into class every few minutes, so she'd canceled the rest of her classes and resolved to use the time to visit some of the shops in hogs made for new oils and herbs and candles and music, all for her inner eye, of course. <laughs> sybil didn't like crowds and gatherings but she found the occasional outing rejuvenating and had decided to increase the magical efficiency of her trip by dancing to celebrate d- by dressing to celebrate the holiday she'd chosen as many pink and red ice items as she owned charmed her glasses to match and cast a warming spell about her because it was easier than creating more weather appropriate clothing sybil was fairly adept at charms but had never mastered the art of dressmaking. Sybil was enjoying her outing, her conversations with shopkeepers, and her purchases until she approached Madame Puttyfoot's. The smell of the cakes and biscuits drew her to the window, where the sight of happy couples within within filled her with a vague sense of longing. She didn't actually know anyone with whom she'd like to whisper, to she, with whom she'd like to whisper over a table but the scene made her wish she had someone. Anyone. Sybil. She felt an unpleasant thrill of guilt and embarrassment at the sound of her name. She turned around and, and saw Gilderoy Lockhart striding across the street. Well, not just anyone. She pulled her outermost shawl more tightly around her as Lockhart loomed over her. Sybil, I thought that was you, he boomed con- Convivially, come, come to meet, come to meet a special someone for Valentine's tea. Oh, oh no! Just looking in on the students, getting a feel for their futures. She mumbled, trying to cover the her embarrassment and the end and end the conversation. Well, I mustn't let them catch me spying. Well then, said Lockhart, his face beaming. If you don't have a special someone, why not join me? Sybil felt wrong-footed. It's not that I don't have someone, she sputtered. But Lockhart wasn't listening. He grabbed her arm and steered her into the shop. Let's go in and get warm, shall we? Sibyl was dismayed. People were staring. She saw a few of her students giggling behind their hands. It was probably best to go along quietly and let the fuss subside. But what on earth did this loud, crass man want with her?
0: Oh, we're about to find out.
1: (laughs) Gilderoy couldn't believe his luck—just the person to keep his mind off his woes. He'd only met Sybil Trelawney a few times, always at a staff meeting. She kept herself shut up in her divination tower to shield her inner eye—a fact that she always announced very dramatically. Gilderoy appreciated her theatricality. He also wondered if he might read—if she might read his fortune. Surely it had to improve. Oh, Mr. Lockhart, gushed Madam Puttyfoot, as sh- when she saw Gilderoy and Sybil lingering by the door. It's so good to see you again. It's Professor Lockhart now, said Gilderoy with pride, and this is my colleague, Professor Trelawney. Was it his imagination, or did Madam Puttyfoot look a little crestfallen to see he had a date? My, it was fortuitous to have met Sybil on the street. Nothing made one more desirable than being desired. They were ushered to a table at the center of the room, and Gilderoy ordered tea for them both. He was heartened by the stares and whispers of the, fi- of the patrons. His public still loved him, even if the pedestrian Hogwarts staff didn't. But S- <laughs> <laughs> Pedestrian Hogwarts staff. Tell us more. <laughs> but Sybil looked uncomfortable. She removed her headscarf with trembling fingers. Is everything all right, Sybil? he asked. We seem to be the center of attention, she said, glancing quickly about the room. Her discomfort surprised Gilderoy. Surely someone as flamboyant as Sybil enjoyed attention as he. But that's marvelous, he declared. I'm certain they're all admiring your stunning Valentine's costume. This wasn't true, of course. They were undoubtedly Star Trek by his own celebrity, but Sybil did look as though she needed some bucking up. My costume, she said uncertainly. Why, of course, it's very appropriate for the day, and quite flattering, too. And these statements were true, he realized, when Sybil smiled in response and smoothed her hair. She had a nice smile, perfect teeth like his. Do you really think so? she asked. Hopefully, he thought. Of course, I wish I thought of donning red and pink, and he was rewarded with another perfect grin.
0: Oh, (laughs) I'm loving this, and I don't want to interrupt your flow,
1: it's too good! Perhaps Lockhart isn't so unpleasant after all, thought Sybil. He seemed to understand the importance of dressing for the occasion, and he was attentive, something she appreciated after years of being ignored at staff meetings. She wondered what else they had in common. Professor Lockhart, she began. Gilderoy, please, he protested. Gilderoy, she began again. Which sort of students do you prefer? Underclassmen, OWLs, or NEWTs? (laughs) Oh, the Underclassmen. It's so satisfying to give them the privilege of starting their magical careers under my tutelage. Why, just yesterday the Weasley twins told me that my illustrious life has inspired their career goals. (laughs) <laughs> Sybil felt it was unlikely that Fred and George Weasley had any plans beyond their next prank. But then, what if it were true? That would be quite an accomplishment. She strove to be equally remarkable as she replied, I prefer any WTs. By that time, I'm left with only the most dedicated of students, the ones who consider me a mentor and beg me to impart my wisdom. Under my supervision, Hogwarts has produced the greatest number of seers of any wizarding school in the world. Was it her imagination, or did Gilderoy look a little startled? She must have really impressed him. He recovered himself and said, "Well, that's quite notable—a testament to your skills. I look forward to producing an equal number of orers. Perhaps you'll be able to read my tea leaves and tell me if I'll succeed." He looked hopeful. Sybil suspected he'd been wanting a reading all along. She asked, "'Have you ever explored the art of divination, Gilderoy?' "'Alas, I have not,' he said, raising his hands in dismay. "'Not that I wouldn't have succeeded brilliantly, but where to find the time? "'I must tell you, however, (laughs) how much I regretted my lack of skill "'when the seer I brought with me to find the mummy of Malta "'turned out to be a demon who tried to rouse the mummy herself.' I was fighting a double duel, the demon on my right, the mummy on my left. I sent the demon's spell back <laughs> upon her, and she was incinerated in a column of flame. But the mummy kept advancing. I tried spell after spell to stop him, but it appeared that I would be forced to reduce him to a pile of dust. Then I remembered the seer's cards. She was supposed to use them to divine the precise spell to control the mummy. I dove for them, and then flung them into the air. As the mummy bore down on me, I picked up card after card, desperately trying the incantation I thought the card suggested. Finally, at the very last moment, when the mummy was so close I could have reduced both of us to dust, I hit upon the right spell and froze the mummy's feet to the ground. "'Merciful heavens!' that was Madame Puttyfoot, who had paused delivering their tea to listen to the story. "'You're such a brave man!' As Puttyfoot set down the tea things and a plate of sweets, Sybil heard murmurs of assent. Their neighbors were leaning in, listening. One of them was Sybil's outstanding fourth-year student, Angelina Johnson, whose date, Lee Jordan, appeared grumbly as Angelina sighed and said, "'That was incredible, wasn't it, Professor Trelawney?' Personally, Sybil wondered how the cards could possibly have still been there, seeing as their owner had been burnt to ashes, but suddenly Gilderoy was offering her a bowl of sugar lumps and saying, Now, I'm certain Professor Trelawney isn't impressed by such bumbling. Successful, though I was. You must have your own tales to tell, don't you, Sybil? The truth was, she'd never done anything to top that. But she felt that she must keep divination thrilling for her students like Angelina, so she accepted a sugar lump, rearranged her shawls so that their spangles caught the light for the most exotic effect, and began her story. Gilderoy listened with a mixture of awe and disbelief to Sybil's tale of channeling a prophecy when she was just a child. After she had correctly predicted several professional Quidditch injuries, the Chudley Cannons had begged her to do a reading about their upcoming matches in the 1972 International Quidditch Tournament. Over the objections of her parents, and at great risk to her inner eye, ten-year-old Sybil took her grandfather's broom and flew to Chudley all by herself. She said, They sat me up in the middle of their massive Quidditch pitch, surrounded by all the players and the stands were filled with eager fans. Oh, the noise! Oh, what violence it did to my inner eye! But it was too late to back out. I waited until the last moment to unveil my crystal ball. Suddenly, the stadium was so quiet that the silence itself seemed to echo. I peered into the ball, into the unknown, and what I saw! Oh, what I saw! (laughs) (laughs) Lost in her story, Sybil stared at the table. Okay, I have to pause and say... Excuse me, the author, your stuff is so, like, next level. And, like, I just – it's really fun to read because we had – it's just there's so much going on. It's just so – extra and over the top like yeah. arthur whipping out his wand and everyone's bouncing around the, the burrow and all this stuff and here's like gilderoy going on about his drama and Trelawney going on about her drama and this is just oh this is so much fun it's like them playing but the spa- dramatic ping pong like it's like how can i be more exactly dramatic blah, blah 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 it's fantastic
0: yeah it's um it's just the detail mm-hmm, of the drama mm-hmm, that's hooking me in mm-hmm. like of course the 1972 yes. quidditch squad wanted their yes. readings done i i believe it fully i'm sold
1: mm-hmm. lost in her story sybil stared at the table as if into an invisible crystal ball her hands spread as if hovering beneath it what was it professor what did you see said angelina with a mixture of excitement and fear Sybil spoke to the ceiling. Oh, the calamity! Then she closed her eyes and placed the back of her hand to her forehead, saying, Perhaps it's best not to tell. No, tell, tell, shouted several students, who, yeah, I just picture her, like, doing a dramatic, like, Perhaps I should not tell you! Like, just like a dramatic, like, swoon, like, Oh, no, it's too much, I cannot tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Reluctantly, Sybil brought herself back into the present. Although she couldn't keep a tone of relish out of her voice as she said, I saw injuries, terrible injuries, broken bones, heart attacks, blood spurting everywhere, and death <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, that was brilliant on two fronts. The author wrote something phenomenal, and your delivery was exceptional. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm living in this universe right now. I'm so invested. <laughs>
1: The students gasped. Even Gilderoy felt frightened, though he knew that no member of the Chudley Cannons had ever died during a match. Sybil continued. They asked me what to do in order to escape this fate. At first, I was at a loss. What did I know about Quidditch? And I saw no solution in my crystal ball. But then my body began to shake, and I felt a great spirit possess me. It opened my mouth, and after I after that i knew no more until i came and came to in the infirmary but they told me what i had said what what urged the crowd the spirit i channeled said that the team would be cursed unless they changed their team colors to purple and gold so sibyl heaved a sigh sadly they did not heed the spirit Wasn't 1972 the year that the Canons changed their motto from we shall conquer to let's just keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best, (laughs) asked Lee, who was obsessed with Quidditch history.
0: That's the best motto ever. (laughs) This detailing Mm -hmm. is impeccable. Thank you, author, so much.
1: Yes, as, as much good as it did them, said Angelina. They should have listened to Professor Trelawney, Some curse, snorted Madam Puttyfoot. They only lost their standing. They didn't lose up their lives at all. Sybil looked a bit flustered by that, and Gilderoy felt he should support her. It certainly seems like a curse to me, to never win, to always come in last. And then Gilderoy shivered for that, in his view. What a terrible curse indeed. His stomach felt cold at the thought of asking the question on his mind, but he had to know. His voice shook a little as he spoke. Can you tell Sybil when you do a reading, if the person for whom you're reading has been cursed? Sibyl- <sighs> Yeah, I have, I have thoughts. I've <laughs> Sybil saw that Gilderoy was shaken by the canon's curse. She decided that she wouldn't mind doing a reading for him at all. In fact, she felt she would enjoy it. She had begun to feel warmly towards him. They were kindred souls, with a shared appreciation for the beyond. So in full- yeah, <laughs> the beyond. So in full view of the assembled students, she said, these are weighty matters, and this shop is rather crowded, which is no good for my inner eye. Perhaps we should meet later in the divination tower for dinner and discuss them. And in full view of all the assembled students and knowing full well, he would be canceling on the delicious gentleman. Gilderoy Lockhart said, yes, that would be splendid. The end
0: and what an end wow that story yes. was incredible
1: uh, oh
0: i i'm i'm so i i ship them so yes. hard
1: so what do you think his what curse do you think he possibly could have on himself like what came to mind when that came up
0: oh well i clearly think he's been cursed to um uh, to not be able to cast anything but one successful yeah. spell
1: yeah no i definitely because i feel like he like he would have been known in school as someone who failed at everything you know what i mean like i like he went to hogwarts everyone knew him i feel like he something happened like either what if the yeah. first like he just he made the decision that he's like i want to be famous and how am I going to do that? I'm going to go around and find these really obscure people, obliviate them, and steal their glory and yeah. write about it. What if one of them, like, did hex him? You know what I mean? Like, there was like he yeah. she, he talks about you know the band banshee and all these people. Like, what if one of them got to him before he could you know whatever or like maybe curse like the last spell is the last spell you'll ever be able to do and then yeah exactly. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, exactly so, like the possible. the witch in the in beauty and the beast yes. mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. with the with the petals and the rose mm-hmm, yep mm-hmm. it's all coming together yep. so it's like We've oh we this thing figured try out try and
1: prove that you're amazing and can do great things because you can only do one spell <laughs> so <laughs> of course there's <laughs> harry with expelliarmus so we, we cannot knock the fact that knowing one spell is apparently all you need <laughs>
0: Well, uh, those people that knock Harry clearly forget that he also sends up red sparks in the maze. That's true. So there's that. Expelliarmus, (laughs) red sparks,
1: and Expecto Patronum. Those are his. That is his arsenal. That's it.
0: (laughs) That's That's it. That's his entire spell canon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep,
1: exactly. He's like, how to impress someone? Expecto Patronum. Like, how to defend himself? Expelliarmus. obviously. Ooh, a
0: corporeal Patronus. I'm so aroused. (laughs) 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 It's... It's a corporeal stag. I'm so aroused. Oh my goodness! The horns. Oh, the horns, yes, yeah.
1: exactly. <laughs> oh wow! Well, that was so much fun and so very fluffy and so long once again, but an absolute delight. I yes, that was that was everything.
0: We overshot by a lot today. <laughs> like I yeah. have no minutes to spare. Yeah, I know. We have to wrap yes. up here. Yes, but, I know I I have enjoyed every single second with mm-hmm. you, as ever. Uh, this has been so much fun. I hope it's been fun to listen to. Yes. Uh, it was wonderful to get to read so many amazing stories, each one as brilliant as the last for different reasons. I am so thrilled that, like, every time that we get together to do something different, mm-hmm. um, but this in particular was just a great way to get back into the the regular swing of things i'm feeling very in the mood for more fic right now mm-hmm. which is good mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. good place to be you know had you said to me beforehand do you ship gilderoy and sybil trelawney mm-hmm. i would have said no well, way. yeah i don't know maybe yeah 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 yeah
1: so, so now it just so it's, um, it's funny because i just feel like they're they just are gonna top each other with the theatrics like it's like you he said he's like i appreciate her theatrics it's just them going on and on and on so that was yeah so that was that was lovely
0: i have like i i can't wait mm-hmm. for the next time i'm so glad this happened mm-hmm.
1: thank you so much for listening as always and happy valentine's day if you care or just another day for other people like it's just just a day yeah celebrate with fan fiction and just have fun and we will you know whatever but also I just want to say
0: you know to anyone that might be listening on Valentine's Day regardless of if you're listening with somebody Mm -hmm. else if you're listening on your own remember that you're Mm -hmm. loved because you're loved by this podcast we love Mm -hmm, you mm
1: -hmm. and I love you Nathan (laughs) happy I love Valentine's
0: Happy Valentine's Day to you. I'm so glad that I didn't think when we started this mm-hmm. that we'd already be we'd ne- we're nearly coming up on our 1 year yep. anniversary. How crazy is yeah, that? How mad is March? that?
1: Like I think March was trailer and then May was episode yeah, March. 1. It's yeah, wild. Yeah, we did the we This is wild.
0: And we've been and <laughs> um, we've technically we've gone over the 1 year anniversary already because we started work in for December. this way way back yeah. in December of 2019 yeah. which is
1: 2019 yeah Was it well no i don't
0: know years 2020, 20, 2020.
1: Yeah, and then all of yeah went through 2021 and now we're Ah, it's so exciting anyway nathan has to go but we look forward to I the next do. episode and thank you for listening and we love you and see you later
0: so now that you've finished enjoying that episode i bet you're wondering what we're going to be talking about next time will it be a ship Could it be a trope? What about a character-centric episode? Editing Megs. Put the listeners out of their misery. Next time, we'll be focusing
1: on... Next episode will be focused around Rita Skeeter.
0: So come back to enjoy that at your earliest possible convenience. But, you know, preferably sooner rather than later. Because we do make it so you'll listen to it. And we hope you enjoy it. Remember your Gunkle Nathan's advice. Be kind to each other, manage your mischief, and we'll catch you in the next one soon.